On a beautiful run through the park on a pleasant day, you can easily get lost. No, no, no! She didn't kill him. Huh? In your true crime podcast. It was the pool guy. So obvious. Whatever motivates you works for us. It's all about letting your run be your run. And Brooks is here for every runner, doing the research and sweating the details to create gear that works for you. It's your run. Brooks, run happy. Hello and welcome to the Ice Guys, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is the show that takes you into the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day from a sports friendly perspective. With pro handicappers Alex B. Smith, Andrew McKinnis, and Ian Cameron, and veteran sports writer Jimmy Murphy. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. Welcome to the Ice Guys, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Monday, May the 9th, Ian Cameron. We'll have Jimmy Murphy and Andrew McGinnis with us momentarily uh, as well uh, as we begin a brand new week, ready to break down four Monday night NHL Stanley Cup playoff games. We'll look back at yesterday's games for a little bit as well, recap Sunday, uh, and we'll talk about a lot of news that's been breaking the last uh, 12 hours or so in the NHL, and we'll definitely get to Barry Trotz. I've got a lot to say about that and what happened with him and the New York Islanders this morning. But before we get to that, we have another special guest. The special guests just keep on rolling, and they've been hitting a home run pretty much every time they've been on the show. Every guest has been awesome, and I'm sure today will be more of the same. Welcome in a longtime pro hockey player, uh, many years uh, AHL, uh, overseas for a bit as well. We welcome Nate Longpray to the show here on this Monday. Nate, glad you could join us. Welcome to the Ice Guys. Thanks for having me. It's uh I've seen a lot of names on this uh, broadcast and some I, who I played with and a lot of great names that have uh, popped on here. Yeah, no doubt. It's been, uh, and we're just getting started. Like we had a full week of guests last week and we're going to have plenty more obviously coming up uh, in the weeks ahead, but uh, talk a little bit about uh, your hockey journey undrafted. You know, we were talking off air. You basically had to work your tail off to get everything you, you got uh, in the uh, hockey uh, playing days. Uh, so tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I took a different route than uh, than most here in Ontario because everyone's kind of geared towards going to the OHL and then then getting the American League and then or trying to get drafted to the NHL. Um, I uh, I played my minor hockey in Peterborough, that's where I grew up, and then I played in the uh, OJHL uh, for two years. I matured late. Um, honestly, I had a, I didn't have a lot of friends uh, that kept playing. Me and another guy from from home, uh, Josh Gillen, who uh, who went to Dartmouth. But um, I had a few other friends in minor midget that got drafted, but I wasn't on that list, so it was kind of discouraging. Um, so I didn't really feel like uh, continuing hockey, but I just managed to kind of stick with it uh, with my friend Josh and and a few other people that kind of influenced and and helped me uh, get to the next levels. So it wasn't until my second year of junior where I excelled and got uh, a few scholarship offers and um, not knowing really much about the NCAA. I, I researched and, and looked into it, had a few coaches uh, reach out um, and a few invites. Um, nothing really was uh, satisfactory until uh, I spoke to Derek Schooley at Robert Morris University, where I spent four years there after um, I played one more year of junior in the North American Hockey League with Youngstown Phantoms. Um, and then I got into the Hall of Fame at Robert Morris University. Um, I think I was inducted in, uh, in February of 2012. Um, 
And then uh, I managed to get an invite to to Vancouver's rookie camp after that school season. Um, and then I proceeded to get uh, in, invite to the main camp. And then I got an exhibition game against Calgary, which was like the most crazy experience of my life. Maybe like one of the all-time uh, hockey uh, memories that I have. Um, I was shooting against Kippersoff. I was lining up against uh, some really big names in, in Calgary. Um, and it was just a surreal moment. I was I was on a line with Mark Mancari and, and Todd Fedoric, who was named the fridge. Tough son of a gun, Todd Fedoric. <laughs> and people sleep on Mika Kippersoff's career. People forget how good he was, especially yeah. in the prime, in those great uh, days in the 2000s uh, in that part of his uh, career. Yeah, he was... Uh, he was something special in, in, in Calgary. So it was pretty cool uh, shooting on him. And I managed to get an assist that game. Um, it was the only exhibition game that I did get there. And then I was sent back down to uh, Chicago, who was the affiliate at the time. And then uh, had the, had uh, 50 games that one season with Chicago. And then I got traded to Springfield, where I spent the remaining remainder of the season. And then I don't know what it was, but I just kept going back to Chicago. Um, I loved it there. Um, the city was great. The people were great. Nothing but good things to say about that organization. Um, and then the and then the next season, uh, I I got traded to um, to Peoria, um, and then and then I spent a whole season finally in my third season in the American League with Chicago. Um, and then my last season, I spent uh, I signed a two way contract American League East Coast. Uh, with Kalamazoo, we spent 30 games and then the rest with Chicago. Um, and then I didn't really decide until after that season, I wanted to take a look at overseas. I played a year in Norway and then I played a year in Denmark after that. And so. then that went, then you moved on and uh, now you're about to embark on coaching the, uh, a team in the TELUS Cup, yeah. which the most Canadians know. Uh, for sure, it's an annual uh, tournament. Uh, describe that a little bit, and uh, how are you looking forward to that? It's amazing how many uh, players we've had, Nate, on the show the last week. They're involved in teaching kids. They're yeah. involved in coaching kids. They're involved in basically trying to, I guess, get the next generation of hockey players and make them better players and hopefully help make them better men uh, as well. And it's pretty cool you're involved in something like that. Yeah, so given my experience and uh, where I grew up, we didn't really have too many – uh, character people in the hockey realm that could teach kids and help them um, make decisions and, and the routes that are available. Um, we just had basically dads kind of volunteer and, and jump on the bench and, you know, put us through like some makeshift drills they saw in Hockey Canada or, or something. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm happy to, uh, you know, give my time to the kids in Toronto area. I mean, I'm not in Peterborough where I grew up, but um, a lot of these kids still um, are, you know, not knowing what to do next and, and feeling discouraged. Some of them on the verge of quitting after midget. So um, I find myself uh, in a coaching role the last uh, four years with the Mississauga Reps organization and the GTHL. Um, we are lucky enough to have a team that's going to the TELUS Cup um, next week, which is uh, one of the biggest tournaments in, in Canada for this age group. And uh I'm really looking forward to that coming up. Yeah, no, there's no question. That's always an exciting tournament, uh, and you're obviously going to see 
Uh, a lot of at least a few, I would say, from the telescope, you're going to see them making a name for themselves down the road uh, as well. No question about that. So, all right, Nate, we're going to talk a little NHL hockey now pretty much for the rest of the show. So get your analyst hat on, uh, get ready to go here in terms of uh, what and we're going to start before we we're going to get into Sunday's games a little bit. Recap what happened yesterday. I know Nate was uh, watching some of the games and has been very frustrated with the officiating so far in these playoffs and in some games in particular. And we'll definitely get to that as well uh, during the course of the show. But we're going to start with, I'll tell you what, breaking news that absolutely floored me this morning. I couldn't believe it when I saw I thought it was a joke. I thought someone was pulling a prank or some shit. I mean, I couldn't believe it when I saw it. I'm like, my gosh, Barry Trotz, relieved of his duties as head coach of the New York Islanders this morning. When I, when I first saw that, that, well, Barry Trotz is out. Actually, that's the, the phrase that I actually saw when I first saw it or heard about it was Barry Trotz is out. So I, saw, I thought the first thing I thought was he's stepped down. He's yeah. resigned. He's had enough of coaching. He wants to be with his family. He wants, you know, a little bit more personal time. Or he's found a job somewhere else and he's resigning to prepare to take another job. You know, that's kind of what I thought initially. But no, they phrased it like he was let go. That Lou Lamorello, old sweet Lou, it's not so sweet to the Islander fan today, if you ask many of them. Uh, he is someone that uh, made the decision to make a change, saying they needed a new voice. And he made it sound like this was an Islander decision to, to change uh, the head coach and move on uh, from Barry Trotz. And if that is the case, and right now that's all we can assume, that that is indeed the case because that's what it looks like, I have no idea what the hell the Islanders are thinking. I really don't. I mean, if you are that pissed off and frustrated and disappointed with the season that you just had, I, I think there's many other things you can do to point the finger rather than at your head coach who's done nothing but prop up a franchise from the depths of hell. You know, that's where they were uh, when he got there. They were one of the worst defensive teams in the National Hockey League. Who fixed that? Barry Trotz did. Made them a better defensive team. Made them more accountable away from the puck. And right away, you saw the results change for the better uh, for the New York Islanders right away. Uh, and look what he's done with this team. Playoffs every year, uh, second round to, in his first year, I believe. Back-to-back -back years, they go to the conference finals, where guess what, Nate? They lose to the eventual Stanley Cup champions, the Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, how the hell are you going to blame Barry Trotz for that? And if you look at this year, yeah, it was a disappointing, of course. Back-to-back -back years, conference finals, now no playoffs. I understand the disappointment. But you are going to point the finger at Barry Trotz and say, we need a new voice. Is the new voice better equipped this past season to handle starting the whole first month of the season on the road because you're waiting for your brand new building, UBS Arena, to get built? Is a new voice really going to help you there to, to, to deal with that? Is a new voice this year, instead of Barry Trotz, going to end up handling the deluge of injuries you had this year? And the fact that COVID-19 struck this team as hard, if not harder, than any other team midway through the season. Oh, a new voice other than Barry Trotz could have handled that pretty well, right? I mean, yeah. my gosh, what are we doing here? It's one of those decisions that make me think Lou Lamorello is losing his faculties. You know, old age syndrome or old man syndrome is catching up to this guy. Like, what on earth could cause you to make this kind of decision? And right now... All we can assume is that this was an Islander decision and a Lou Lamorello decision to make a change. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Like I said, if he wanted out Barry Trotz, if he wanted to be with his family more, he didn't want to coach anymore. If he wanted to resign and go to another team, I get it. That makes sense. The Islanders saying we're pulling the plug. 
because this guy had a disappointing season after all he's done. I can't buy into that, and I can't accept that. And Islander fans are not accepting it. They are a pissed-off bunch today. You line them up. Nick, starting with our guy, Nick Earl. He's living. He can't believe this happened. Uh, and I don't blame any Islander fan for feeling that way. Uh, Nate, what did you think of that? Was it as shocking to you as it was to me? I feel like uh, no no coach is really safe in the NHL these days. Um, I mean, you can't really blame the personnel of the Islanders. Like all of them, like the lineup from top to bottom is is exceptional. You can see that with the past couple of years making the the playoffs to the conference final. I mean, a coach can only coach so much it's the guys on the ice that are you know obviously playing the game so um i think i think it's a little you know a little excessive for the fans to kind of you know maybe have an outrage here um i mean lou did his did his best to kind of you know handle this season where you know covid was prevalent and they spent a lot of the the first part of the season on the road and it's it's tough to win games when you're not at home and and uh it, it is what it is sometimes, you know, you have a bad season, you know, you can't have, uh, you know, those exceptional seasons back to back to back guys are tired, guys are injured, you know, it's, it's tough to come back from that. So I don't think you should blame entirely a coach on the, the mismanagement of, you know, each game where a guy can, you know, have to pick his spots and make sure he's ready for each game. I don't know. So it was stunning. Uh, that's that's the it's a great time for uh, Jimmy Murphy. Uh, great to have Jimmy back. Feels like it's been a while. Uh, Jimmy's been busy. He's been covering the Bruins, covering the Hurricane series, uh, day in day out, writing a whole ton. Uh, so we haven't been able to see our guy Jimmy Murphy for a while. But great time to bring him in because uh, Jimmy, I'm telling you what, this was like a two by four upside my head reading this news that Barry Trotz was fired this morning. Yeah, quite a quite a outside the playoffs news day too with the Pierre Maguire news out of Ottawa as well. Uh, but I guess we should have saw the writing on the wall when Melnick died. Um, but yeah, this is, this is, I, I don't know. Look, I'm I'm just going to come out right, outright and say it. It's time for Lou Lamorella to hang him up because he's completely lost touch with the game. This is all on him. As far as I'm concerned, they don't make the playoffs because of him. He made some bad signings. He made some bad moves. I mean, you traded away Devin Taves and then you come out today and you say, well, I want to increase our offense from the back end. Well, then what the hell is that trade? Uh, it's just, it's he was just, buried in a defensive system, and we're finding out in Colorado he's got an offensive game to him. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. speaking of him, he opened up the series against the Predators as a minus 110 to get a point. He's now up to minus 140 at some shops to get a point. People are yeah. still figuring out this guy's yeah. an offensive weapon. Yeah. It's unreal. I mean, do your scouting. I mean, the problem with Lou is he's out of touch with the game. He thinks that this is an old man's game. He hasn't moved and adapted with the fact that it's getting younger and faster every single season. And it's not going to change on the island until he grasps that or until he's fired. And I think he needs to be fired. And, and as far as, you know, whose fault it is, and forget about blaming Lou there too. Look at what this team went through to start the season. I mean, yeah, the fact going. they even sniffed the playoffs a bit at the end there, considering the start they had with that road trip and then COVID. And, and, and you pile on top of that the fact that they had hardly had any break coming into this season after playing a game seven of the conference finals in two straight seasons. I mean, it's amazing what Tampa – that just shows you how amazing it is what Tampa Bay is doing right now, that they're tied 2-2 in the first round after what they've been through in the past two years. These guys have been through hell, man. They're human beings. And and most teams would fold like the Islanders did in the beginning. And I, I don't see how you blame Barry Trotz. I think he did the best with what he was given. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, I mentioned it before you joined us, Jimmy, the, the, the one month road trip to begin the season on the road for a full month. What are you supposed to do? COVID struck the team. Injury yeah. struck the team midway through the year. And a lot. They were decimated with their roster midway yeah. through the season. They could barely field a competent, competitive team midway yeah. through the season because of injuries and COVID combined. They, were, they had three quarters of the AHL team at yeah. one point, I remember, for like four games up yeah. in, in the NHL and then had to move the ECHL guys up to the age. I mean, it was, it was a joke. I mean, how do you but a new voice game? would have been able to handle that just so much better than Barry Trotz did. Right. Yeah. Scotty Bowman isn't bringing that yeah. team to the playoffs. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Andrew, I'm sure that's, this stuns you too. I'm sure. Yeah. I was shocked. You know, I, I'm, I'm not usually someone that gets, uh, you know, going on Twitter or anything like that about coaching firings or different things like that. But this one did kind of catch me off guard. And, you know, I think we've, we've all, We've all talked about it throughout the season, but a 13-game road trip to start a season off is just tough. And one thing that I mentioned was during that period of time when every team seemed to be getting bailed out uh, by the league when they were getting COVID, the Islanders didn't. You know, the Islanders were actually the first team that got filled with COVID, and the team said, pretty much, fuck you guys, you know, play your farm team. And then all of a sudden Ottawa gets COVID and immediately they shut down their games for a week and a half, you know, countless teams get COVID. The league says, no, you guys can't, you guys don't have to play. It's all good. And the Islander guys, all, all of us were fading the Islanders for like a week and a half, whether it was injuries or COVID or traveling, they were an automatic fade. So, you know, you look at the season for them in quarters, let's take away that first quarter and look at the next three quarters not that bad of a season. Plus they actually had more scoring than they usually do. They used to win games 2-1. So, I don't know. I think a, a we but you know, it's kind of like what you said Ian and what Jimmy will tell us is that you don't you don't you never know the full story, right? We Something never know the full story behind the scenes, yeah. Yeah. So, Maybe, that's why but... it's hard to really weigh in and I'll, I'll tell you the full story right now if you I mean, I I know people with the Islanders guys, you know that. I have some good sources there. And what I'm told is just this is a Lou ego thing. That that's all it is. Really, is that he wants one more ring to show he's one of the greatest GMs, if not the best ever, before he retires. And he know the the writing's on the wall. It's coming soon. So he's just gonna do whatever. He's gonna screw people over. He's gonna do whatever he has to do to get that ring. And unfortunately, he's driving what was a, a organization on the rise. I think he's driving them backwards right now. So what's yeah. that conversation like with Trotz though? What does he tell him that he did wrong? Besides just we need a look, new look. I he mean, says, you know what he says? He says, Barry, I love you. It has nothing to do with you. And I know everybody in the game and I can get you hired. It'll get you another. And he does. I mean, he knows a lot of people. He has a lot of contacts. I'm sure. He'll help him out. Like, yeah. I'll help you out. Okay. I just need to do something else right now. And that's that, you know, and I, it's yeah, not yeah. right, but that's the way it goes. And yeah. I just, you know, people are so afraid in this game to call Lou Lamorello because everything he's done. And I, I do appreciate everything he's done for the game. Brilliant career, but you're right. Even the back end of the, the Leafs, a few of those moves when he was GM there were yeah, a little skeptical. I mean, yeah. you know, you got to tell it like it is, and he's not doing a good job with them. You know, when's yeah, the last time he really won? That, like, it's when, been on... when, when did he win a cup, you know? And, and, and this guy's always been cutthroat guys. Remember what he did to Claude Julian that year? Yeah. Oh, that's that's right. I mean that that and was. I remember that. The best yep. team in the NHL, and he fired him. Yeah. So you know he's got an itchy trigger finger, uh, and we've yep. seen that the quick trigger pull. Uh, we have definitely seen that from Lou Lamorello in the past, no question. Uh, anyway, we'll have to we'll move on from that. It was just stunning to see that. We'll see where the Islanders go from here. Uh, last night's games. Um, 
well, you know what? It, don't want to go through each game individually, but Nate, I'll throw it at you first. The Sunday games, uh, we saw Boston. It was the, a, a day of 2-2, basically. Everybody evening up these series. Every team that was down 2-1 to one at home ended up tying the series. Boston against Carolina, St. Louis against Minnesota, Tampa Bay against Toronto, and of course we saw L.A. Uh, even it up with Edmonton uh, in the late night hours as well. Now today we're going to have a bunch of games with the same situation, but all these teams that won, those teams that won yesterday down 2-1 were at home. Teams that are trying to do that tonight, even up the series, they're all on the road, so it's a little bit different uh, here tonight. But uh, Nate, what did you think of uh, yesterday? And talk about the officiating, because we were talking before the show. You're You're frustrated with the officiating and every little thing being called, and I can't argue with that. Yeah, I mean... I feel like every team right now is either getting calls for or against, and we're seeing that with the tie-ups of each each series. I think Colorado is probably the only team that uh, is probably going to sweep, and uh, every other game I think is just going to go back and forth depending on who's refing that game because every freaking call is being made on embellishing and stick work, and like it's just ridiculous. You got to just let the boys play. And we haven't, and the penalty, and it's been talked about, it's been written about. Pierre LeBron had a great article on it. I mean, the number of penalties, the increase in penalties, it's insane. And, and you start to, and then you start to wonder to yourself, why did it go 10 and 2 to the over this weekend in the NHL and 12 playoff games, 10 and 2 to the over, Friday, Saturday, Sunday combined? Well, look at the penalties. Yeah. Look at the penalties. Look at the fact that, too, t- teams are, or coaches are taking out the goalie earlier than ever before. Five, six minutes left in the game, you're seeing the goalie out of the net, and you're seeing a bunch of empty net goals, which actually cashed a couple of these uh, overs during the weekend as well, uh, pushing the games over the total. So that's definitely a big part of it. And, uh, Nate, definitely, I, I feel with the frustration. This year now they're calling the cross-checks in front of the net, those one-on-one battles in front of the net. You can't cross-check a guy anymore. They're going to call it every time, and they're calling it now for the first time. Every little hook is getting called, every little stick infraction, even the faintest uh, of stick uh, fouls being called right now. It, it's just there's very, very little wiggle room uh, and there's no leeway being given. It seems like they're just calling every little thing and it's uh, very, very disappointing uh, right now. Uh, Andrew, uh, how was this, the uh, games in, on Sunday, uh, in your opinion? Yeah, it was, I mean, I thought it was pretty entertaining. Um, you know, I, I take a look at that, uh, you know, the Bruins and Carolina series. I just think it's so cool that you can look at um, – you know, some of these series that are tied up to two, like we were just talking about, but yet some of these games that haven't even really been that close. I mean, especially that Tampa Bay and Maple Leaf series. That's the one that's the most interesting as far as that goes, because one blowout back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. series could, is the most zigzag bounce back effect you can imagine. Uh, and even the Minnesota and St. Louis series. Let's look at that one. I mean, yeah. um, a, a cool thing that I heard from uh, Marenzi there, Ian, he said that the average margin of victory right now in the NHL playoffs is 3.3 goals per game, which, you know, it's crazy because you'd think that betting a puck line might not be as good of an idea in the playoffs versus regular season, but we're actually finding out the opposite right now. Um, you know, right now you look at the difference between some of these money line prices versus the puck line. It's a big difference um, in the playoffs, but no, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens in some of these series as the uh, series shifts back um, to the home ice of the team that, finish with the higher seed and uh, we'll see what can happen. But um, uh, an exciting weekend and uh, I've been remaining low volume, but cash some winners. And uh, tonight I've I've got a few plays I really like here. So look forward to it. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, 20 of the, as as if this was going into yesterday, uh, 20 of the 24 playoff games, the winning team won by at least two goals. So there you go. 
And, uh, and I want to mention that, yeah. to jump on to what Nate said there, um, the power plays, you know, somebody was commenting on a video I did saying, um, you know, it's really important for everybody to, to keep in mind penalties and stuff. And you obviously can't handicap, you know, how many power plays are going to be in a game. What you can do is see the physicality level and, and to Nate's point, what they're calling and, and, you know, use that to your judgment. You look at some of these, these series, you know, some teams going 0 for 4 on the power play, 1 for 4. Colorado last game, they go 4 for 5. I mean, I've never, guys, looked at power play percentage from the previous game or a series more than I have right now because it's it's such a focal point. Like Nate was saying, it's unfortunate that it's come to that because it's not really old-time hockey right now, but power play percentage and PK percentages are, are becoming a huge part of this NHL playoffs. And, um, you know, going one for four is pretty much deciding a team's fate in that game. Yeah, yeah no doubt about that. Teams. Yeah, yep. definitely. Yeah, it is. It's a special teams war. We're seeing that. Uh, and uh, two, another thing, too, about the 20 of the 24 games with two goals or more margins, how many of those game, 20 wins were empty net goals late in the game, padding yeah. the margin? I'm sure a ton of them because it feels like, you know, look at St. Louis, 3-2 becomes 5-2 yesterday because of two empty net goals. There's been so many examples like that. And the yeah, Carolina throw, game, how many penalties there were? Look how many yep. penalties there were in that game. I mean, yep. second period, it was almost like Carolina said, screw it, let's go back home. I mean, I don't know what was going on there, but they took five penalties in one period, and that makes a big difference. And and I, I got to say, I'll go to Jimmy here. I, I mentioned this about the Bruins series. You and I both like Carolina, Jimmy, but yeah, I'll say this. If you like the Bruins, anybody out there wants to bet them, I don't think they, they're deep. Take Marshawn to score a goal. Take Pasta to score a goal. Take Berger to score a goal because – those are the props you're going to hit if they ever win a game. So I think if you want to yeah. bet the Bruins, yeah. just bet on those guys. I I would just say right now, though, you know, I've been at every game here and around these guys, both sides, like the temperature of the of this series is in the momentum has completely shifted right now. Yeah. Um, however, it does remind me a lot. I'm going back a bit here to the 2011 Cup final I covered where the home team won every game except for game seven. And I could see that happen. I, I I think this thing's going seven now. And I'm I'm eating crow. Bruins proved me wrong. Credit to them. They they were great. I mean, they, they, that was a gutsy win. When I saw that McAvoy was out yesterday, was, these guys are done. I, I'm I thought for sure I was witnessing Patrice Bergeron's last game at TD Garden. I really. But what did. about five on five though, Jimmy? Like I. I, I, you know, Carolina, Carolina was up two one when it was five on five. Well, let's be yeah. honest here. If, if they're not that, un, if they're not that undisciplined, it's a whole new game. Five exactly. on five, they're still but a they deeper. Were. Yeah, but they the were, thing is, Andrew, they were. But can't so rewind you're, the clock. So you're expecting it. them to take five penalties in the second period for the next four games of the series? I don't, I'm not saying that. What I am telling you is that team is a mess right now, mm -hmm. and I point the finger right at one Tony D'Angelo. Yeah, I mean, that guy snapped and lost his marbles, and he put them in a hole. He woke up the Bruins. The Bruins were sleepwalking through that game, and he woke them up. And you don't do that in the playoffs. You don't. You don't make it about you. It's about the team. You bite your tongue. You you, you hold your temper, and you keep your composure. He did none of that. No. And he's a moron. And I love what Brad Marchand said. Were you in him. the presser, Jimmy, after the game? I was and in the Bruins one. Yeah. Yeah. To, uh, oh, okay. Well, I saw like Rod the Bod said that he uh, he would have bet his life on that on that well, challenge you know, he made. Good thing he's not a betting man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He'd be dead. A terrible right now. challenge. There was no way that was, goal was. I got that. That kind of swayed the game too. I thought. Yeah, you know? I couldn't believe he said, "I'm going to get a penalty." My life yeah. on that again. <laughs> yeah, he, I'm going to write about. He's starting to cry a lot about the refs, but 
Yeah. I, it, you know, I just looked at that. That was just great with Marshan said there. You're a racist, a fucking racist. <laughs> Got under his skin, and, and there you go. You yeah, come at me about my nose all you want, but you're yeah. a racist, dude. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah literally, I, it's a fact. You are, and you you bragged about it on Twitter, and you've been suspended for it, and it's yeah. just great. that That's some serious, hardcore chir chirping. You know, that's doing your research. Yeah, no, and it, look, that's a live series think. now. Marshall yeah. doesn't care about these nose chirps anymore. That's no. like, yeah, he's like, he's like, he's like, yeah, that's all got you got. Beak. It is one of those. He's got that yeah. nose for life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's that's his. Probably, he's probably had to fight his way through life with that. You know, how many times he probably got ragged on for it? He probably had to fight a couple times. Or, I mean, it's probably made him tougher. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so I've still got a couple things to say. I know Andrew's got to leave in 10 minutes, so I'll say what i got to say about yesterday, and then we'll move on. We'll let Andrew. We'll just let Andrew rifle through what he likes tonight on the card at the in 10 minutes from now, and then we'll let him uh, go on his way. Uh, but uh, as far as I'm concerned, look, Carolina, that was a golden opportunity they missed yesterday with no Charlie McAvoy in the lineup and Hampus Lindholm, the two best defensemen as far as I'm concerned on the Bruins not playing, uh, and penalty trouble cost them. Uh, and they ended up now they got a best two or three and they better hope they, you know, hold serve on home ice uh, in Carolina, which I think they're very capable of doing. I still think Carolina is going to win maybe in seven here. Uh, but boy, the, the Bruins have some faith. They've got some confidence now. They got some belief again, uh, the Boston Bruins after these uh, last two games. No question. Uh, St. Louis, give them credit. They gutted through three starting defensemen out. You know, there was no Nick Letty. There was no... Um, Robert Bortuzzo, and of course, Tori Krug, the former Bruin, was out yesterday for St. Louis. I thought that would make the uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the task to uh, beat Minnesota tie that series more difficult, but they did play well and found a way to win that game 5-2, uh, and now that's down to a best of three, which is good for me because I have that series to go seven. I bet that at plus 300 before the series started, that series to go seven games. So we're back on track with that, with the uh, Blues and the Wild. And the same thing goes for the uh, Leafs and the Lightning. I have that to go seven, and that's got a much better chance of going seven. Uh, Tampa Bay uh, with that big win against Toronto. The Leafs have to ask themselves right now, why is it we're one and eight in the last nine games when we lead uh, in a playoff series? Why is that? Why is there this lack of killer instinct? Why is this that not putting the foot down on the throat of your opponent in these kind of situations? And it happened again last night. The Leafs had to have known Tampa Bay is coming out storming early in that game. They can't go down 3-1. They're at home, uh, and it's like the Leafs weren't prepared for it, and they didn't match it. They didn't come close to matching it. You know, they were swarmed in their own end. They were given the puck away. They were taking penalties. Uh, you know, the shots were, you know, 10-2 to two or something like that early in the game. You could tell that Tampa Bay was just, that urgency was there from the get-go, and the Leafs, even though they were up in the series, you've got to find some way to put yourself in a spot to match the urgency and the intensity of the other team. And they did not do that from the opening face-off, and they paid the price. They fell behind. They never recovered, uh, and they ended up losing that game. I think the one positive is William Nylander got on the board. Uh, the Leaf Na Leafs Nation has had it with John Tavares at this point. Uh, I mean, there are people that are just, where's this? Where's his offense gone? Where's his ability to finish around the front of the net? Uh, you mentioned the tweet, Andrew, from someone you know, about the we've got an $11 million face-off guy, uh, essentially, yeah. on our team right now. Uh, and that's pretty, that's pretty harsh and it's not fair to put it all on John Tavares, obviously, but no, they need some offense from him. Uh, simple as that. Uh, and obviously when you lose like that and you let a team back into a series, here's Toronto. They haven't won a playoff series since 2004, since high, they haven't won a playoff series in high definition television 
You know, I've said that uh, basically repeatedly. Uh, and uh, here they are with a chance to go up 3-1 on the defending champs, and they fail to take advantage. Now the series is tied. And as, a, as you would expect, media is going to be a little bit harsh uh, in a situation like that in the post game. But then there's Steve Simmons, the ultimate shithead, the ultimate douchebag in the media. We all know that. Uh, who went to the extreme last night uh, in the post game press conference? Who actually asked Sheldon Keith, you know, you know, who, you, wh why would, did you put your worst defenseman in the game? And first of all, when he phrases it like that, you know, he's looking for uh, a, a response. He's looking for a reaction uh, from Sheldon Keith there. You know, why, why did you put your worst defenseman in the game? First of all, that's a complete lack of respect for Justin Hall. Now, Everybody that watched the game knew he had a turnover in the early in the game that led to a Tampa goal. It was a rough night for him, a rough game. But to center him out like that and say, why did you start your worst defenseman? And then Sheldon asked him, who are you talking about? And he actually says Justin Hall. He names him by name. Total lack of respect for the player. A total lack of respect for anybody this guy has had it from day one. And you know what? If I'm a fellow media member, I am ashamed and I'm embarrassed that this man's a member of my fraternity. Period. Yeah. Simple as I'm embarrassed because this is not the first time he's pulled shit like this. And then to make matters worse, not only is he disrespectful, not only is he disingenuous. Do you know what he does after that? He says, why did you play your worst defenseman, Sheldon, when the crowd is going to be so loud and crazy? What? <laughs> so not only are you disrespectful, you're an idiot. You're stupid. You're, you're stupidity. I mean, what the hell does the loudness of the crowd got to do with anything there? Oh, because the other leads... Yeah, the other Leafs, other than Justin Hall, they they were they reacted so well to playing in front of that crowd last night. I mean, you got to be kidding me <laughs> to, to phrase it like that. What the hell? Equating Justin Hall's struggles with how loud the building was because but the Ian, other Leafs, you know what though, well. his whole, you know what, you know what though, we're talking about it, right? I think he's just yeah. Maybe he wants like, people like us to talk about, about this. This yeah. is exactly what's happening. Those people, if you work, if you work for the company he works for. And everyone's saying, how do you have this guy? We're on a betting show right now, and we're talking about this guy. That's right. If that, if that doesn't tell you what his job, you know, he did something right. Because Sheldon Keith might not like him, but the entire East Coast of Canada is talking about him right now. And we're talking yeah, about is. him on a betting show. Trended so. on Twitter, all that. And another, what you do, if, if you really want to ask a question about a player that struggled in a game, here's how you phrase the question respectfully. You say, tough night for Justin Hall. What did you see out there? Or, you know, you could just even say it like that. That's even better. I would have actually, that's, that's not bad. Uh, I don't mind him phrasing it that way. But to say your worst defenseman and then naming him Justin Hall, I mean, it was just totally lack of respect. But he's had that before for players, for coaches, for GMs. And I'm going to go down the rap sheet. Just a little trip down memory lane in the Steve Simmons book of absolutely egregious, pathetic, embarrassing incidents. Number one, Brian Burke, when he was GM of the Leafs, you know what he did? The Canadian government arranged it. He went to visit the troops in Afghanistan. You know, it's a, a goodwill, you know, gesture. Thank you for your service, for all you do for this country. For all you do, and if there's American troops, thank you for what you do for your service. Steve Simmons wrote a scathing article in the Toronto Sun about that, saying that Brian Burke was skirting his GM duties around free agency period, saying he's basically you know sloughed off free agency to go to Afghanistan and, and visit the troops, which couldn't be further from the truth. Burke was mentioned it before. He's tied to the management group, the front office. He is still keeping track of everything that's going on. 
while he's over there. Uh, and he put it in there like, hey, he, he's not doing his job properly. He should have been in Toronto because it's free agency back home doing his job. When he's all he's doing is paying homage to troops over there and doing a goodwill ambassador type of thing. Disgraceful. Steve Simmons went that route. That's number one. Number two, everyone talks about this Phil Kessel hot dog thing. It's a bunch of garbage. It's a bunch of nonsense. He put in the paper that he lived, I think, on Front Street, Phil Kessel, and walked down to the hot dog vendor. Yeah, he didn't live there. Lived on College Street. Lived a totally different place in the city of Toronto. And it totally, totally had his story debunked as far as I'm concerned. And I'm not a big Kessel guy. I've criticized his performance at time. But here... He got it totally. He was he's fabricating it. Phil Kessel's not jogging halfway through the city of Toronto, downtown Toronto, for a damn hot dog. It's not happening. He it's they totally so. debunked that. It was a total fabrication, total lie. Yeah, we got to get it's, you on the radio, man. <laughs> We're on a well, bad show. He's had so many of these. It's that was a hit piece. That was a hitman piece directed at Phil Kessel because those two always had issues, and he never liked the guy. And I'm not the biggest Kessel guy, and I'm even going to back him up. You know, when it comes to that story with Steve Simmons, that's another one. He let loose medical information on Austin Matthews when he had COVID a couple of years ago. Let that loose to the media when he shouldn't have. I mean, it's just one incident after another. There's no respect for anybody from this guy. And unfortunately, you know, he's an embarrassment and disgrace, an absolute disgrace to sports media. I've said my piece. Yeah. Well, that's a. That's I a had to get it off. Heard I'm of sick of this guy. I am totally and utterly I'll sick of really this guy. Feel you. Yeah, I just did. I, I'd be happy to do a, a podcast with you sometime where we talk about this kind of stuff. <laughs> no. But let's. I'll jump into my bets real quick. I, I think all right, that, go for it, Andrew. Look, I'm cheering on the Rangers. Anyway. I'm cheering on the Rangers and the or the Penguins in the series, as you guys know, because of my future, and also just because I'm a fan of Sid. Um, so. Having said that, I do think the zigzag theory will be in full effect here in this one. We did see the Igor Shesterkin is human, but I think he'll bounce back, and so will the depth of the Rangers. But I don't love that matchup as much as the other ones. Panthers, team total over three and a half goals. I want to take Carolina out of the picture. I don't want to worry about what they do, but I want to trust the depth of the top team and shots on goal, top teams and goals for, and I think uh, fifth in the league in power play percentage. Um, this is a team in Florida that just I don't think they'll be held like they were last game once again. And I'm expecting four goals out of them, whether or not Carolina or excuse me, um, Capitals do that as well and bounce back or, or, you know, rally with them. I don't know, but I'm going to stick with just the team total over three and a half goals. Flame stars passing that one. Um, and as far as the avalanche predators goes, I'm back again with Devontae's to get a point. I'm looking at um, Nazem Kadri shots on goal props and I'm on Colorado puck line. And I saw you tweeting about it earlier, Ian. I'll be on the exact same as you, looking at some second period intermission, live third period overs. Anybody out there, I'm not a huge puck line guy, but like I said, the puck lines have been cashing this playoffs quite a bit, especially in these elimination games. Don't take regulation. Don't take money line. Take the puck lines. Uh, in elimination games, you quite often will see a marginal victory. Yeah, very well said. All right, there you go. Andrew, his whole Monday card. We got to let him roll. He's got to go. Right, guys. Uh, Andrew. Thanks again. There he is. Uh, Andrew McGinnis with us. All right. Got my chance to calm down. I'm feeling good again. Actually, I'm feeling great that I got that off my chest about that guy. Uh, but nevertheless, we're ready to break down these Monday games. Let's get to it. We'll start with Florida taking on Washington. Uh, game four here 
uh, for the Panthers uh, as they try to get back tied with the uh, Capitals. We've got Florida minus 190 road favorite, six and a half the total uh, in this game. Uh, Andrew mentioned the team total for Florida. I'm going to buy into that too. Uh, I already took it at, earlier today at minus 145. Uh, Florida Panthers team total uh, over three and a half, as well as the full game over. I just stuck with those two plays uh, in this hockey game because I I just don't want to touch the minus 190. You know, I think it is a pretty big price there out there for the uh, Florida Panthers. I expect them to respond, be a lot better. But let's not totally forget that Washington has played a very good series so far. Uh, Ilya Samsonov in net has been really good since he replaced Vitek Vanacek. You know, I have been impressed with what we have seen from him uh, so far in this series. And, you know, there's definitely a potential here where he could play well again for this uh, Capitals team. And more than anything, Florida's got to find this offense and get it going. That's held them back in this series, and it starts with the power play. You know, the power play has to get going. Andrew Burnett and the Panthers reportedly worked on it quite a bit uh, in practice on Sunday prior to this game. We'll see if that yields better results, but they are over. So far, guys, on the power play in this series. And that's shocking for a team that's got the offensive firepower and depth up front that the Florida Panthers have. So we'll see if they can get that power play on track tonight. They're talking about shooting the puck more, getting more traffic in front of the net. The the usual buzzwords that players and coaches use when they're trying to fix a power play that's not working. But we'll see if it uh, ends up uh, giving them uh, better results tonight. But I think you will see in a, in a spot where you're trying to avoid being down 3-1, Florida uh, better tonight. I don't. I think they win the game, but I would just rather than lay minus one ninety. I would rather take the team total over three and a half at a, a lesser price, around minus one forty five. And I'm also going to go back to the well with over six and a half here uh, in this game as well. Uh, Nate, we'll go to you. What do you think here, game four with the Florida Washington tonight? I think I'm going to jump on the bandwagon of everyone else. I think we're going with Florida. Um, like you said, it's uh, it's not not a time to panic. Um, it's a, it's a big time for the power play to finally get on the board. Um, but uh, I think it's like every other series, it's good. It's down to, you know, the penalties for and against, like um, we'll have to, we'll have to see what happens, but I'm, you're going to see a, probably a lot of penalties called again. Um, Sam Sonoff, that's a, that's a really good goalie. He's been standing on his head for Washington. So, you know, the easiest way to get, uh, get in his kitchen is getting guys in front of the net and get pucks on net. So, um, I, I'm pretty sure um, if you give Washington any uh, any life, it's going to be on the power play. So um, try and stay out of the box and, and do the best you can with uh, with uh, your PK. So it's uh, it's going to be an interesting one. But I think I got uh, Florida for that one. Uh, yeah, Florida, again, team total still as low as minus 145 in a couple spots. The price has gone up in a few others, but uh, shop around if you're going to take the team total. It's minus 190 with Florida on the money line. Uh, Jimmy, how are you looking at this one? Panthers, Capitals. Well, look, I'll come flat out and say, you know, and again, Eaton Crow, that I picked the Panthers. Uh, I picked the Panthers in six, um, and I want the Panthers in my heart. I know some people in the organization. I want to see them succeed. You know, it's one of our sites that we have in our network. So there's there's a personal attachment there. So I'm admitting I'm not speaking objectively, but on the flip side, I don't think they're going to win. I think they're toast. I think they're freaking done. This team is not made for the playoffs. And I was saying this to you guys down the stretch. You can't play the run and gun 80s hockey anymore. I know we're seeing a lot of scoring in in the Stanley Cup playoffs, record numbers. I get it. But like you said, a lot of that has to do with some empty net. Penalty driven. Yeah. Penalties. 
It's not because it's opening up so much. It's because of that. And look, the, the Florida Panthers can't spot a team a lead like they did so many times. And we, we were saying this all along, like this is not going to work in the playoffs. And it's They not. were the cardiac cats so many times yeah, in the regular season. Two-goal, three-goal comebacks. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. great. It was exciting. And I, like I said, I want them to win, but I think they're toast. I think they're done. And I'm going to go right now with the Washington Capitals in regulation with some great value wow. there. So that's not he's, – he's foregoing the plus 170. He's going to go a step further right, at plus, plus 230. Oh, 230. I'll take that. I'm seeing 215, but I'll take 230. Yep, plus 230 in regulation. So obviously they win in 60 minutes. The bet cash is there. Washington in regulation, plus 230. And to be nothing uh, I, I, I'd like more than Alex Ovechkin to lose. Yeah. Nothing I would like more, but I won't get into all that. There you go. Ovechkin. Uh, and look, Ovechkin playing well in this series, and Washington shutting down Florida's, you know, offense and specifically their power play. That's been the over, over in three games on the power play, Florida, which is unfathomable for how uh, potent they are. But give the Capitals credit; uh, they have done well in the PK. And look, it's such a special team's playoffs, as Nate mentioned. Uh, his frustration with all the penalties here in the first round. If you're going to not cash in with the power play in a penalty-laden first round like we've seen, that's going to be trouble. Uh, and that's exactly what we've seen here for the uh, Panthers. Uh, Jax, I appreciate the comment in our chat. Passionate Ian is the best Ian. Yeah, I agree with that. Sometimes it's overkill, but I, I couldn't hold back with Steve Simmons. I couldn't. I, I just got at my wits end with, I, I, uh, all I this shit it, over the years. I go with Spencer Knight. Spencer Knight? Oh, make the change, huh? Why not? What, I mean, what yeah. do you have to lose right now? You're you're about to go down three one in this series. You you don't know. It's like a train just hit them. Make the change. Spark the team. Look at how it worked for the Bruins. And, and I'm telling. You, I mean, Sergey Bobrovsky. I think is one of the most overrated goalies in the last ten years. I'm sorry. He's been he's been okay. He's not been great uh, in this series. And if they lose tonight, Florida, and go down three one, do we see Spencer Knight at home down in Sunrise in Game Five? I think that's a potential. I really do. It could be. We'll see. Not that it's, again, there's all, all kinds of issues with Florida. It's not just the goaltending, but I think the, that he needs, he need, they need some goals, you know, and the offense has been a big reason they're here, and we just haven't seen that from them uh, so far in this series. All right, let's move on to New York and Pittsburgh. Uh, we've got the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins, New York Rain, pretty much even money is what we're looking at here. Minus 110, minus 115. Uh, in terms of the uh, price, uh, the total six across the board in this one. Uh, Andrew mentioned it earlier. It seems like Andrew and I were in agreement with a lot of stuff today. Hopefully that's a good thing. I like the Rangers. I, ticked, I took the Rangers before the series started. I'm not ready to jump off their uh, bandwagon after a 2-1 deficit. I think you'll see a better performance from them tonight. And look, it's been a kind of a back-and-forth series so far. Pittsburgh won game one. New York won game two. Pittsburgh won game three. Uh, and I think you're going to see the Rangers provide the adequate response here tonight uh, in game four. And more than anything, I think Shesterkin finally has his best game. Now, a lot of these issues are not on Igor Shesterkin. Uh, I don't know how much of this series you've seen, Nate, but to me, the defending in front of them has been the bigger issue. They can't contain Crosby, Gensel, and Rust. That top line of Pittsburgh has really done damage against this Rangers defense. They've given the puck away in their own zone a few too many times. Has Shesterkin maybe been a little bit less than his usual stellar self in this series? Yeah. A little bit, but I think it's more how they played in front of him. But after getting pulled in game three, I think he has a better performance tonight. It's just got that back and forth feel to it. The Rangers, I think, have a better game in them. And let's not forget, 
They were down big. They had a horrible first period in game three, you guys. And what did they do in the second? They rallied back after uh, Gerard Gallant pulled Shesterkin, put in Alexander Georgiev. I think he did that mostly to shake the team up. It worked. They got back into the game, and it almost led them to a comeback win. But Pittsburgh uh, got the big go-ahead goal in the third and ended up uh, hanging on to victory. But I think the Rangers actually get a little confidence from battling back in that game uh, the other night on Saturday, even though they lost. So I'm going to go uh, to the well here with New York here uh, around minus 115 in this game. Hard to bet an under in this series. It's actually been three straight overs. Now the total's finally been moved up to six instead of five and a half. But, you know, it's just been one of those series where Rangers haven't been able to keep the Pittsburgh big guns from scoring. And look, Pittsburgh with Louis Domingue and net again tonight uh, because of the injuries to uh, Jari and uh, DeSmith. Look, the cloak has been tattered. You know, for Domingue, I mean, he was magnificent coming in in overtime in game one, but the Rangers got more damage done against him in game two, more damage done against him in game three. They know the tendencies now. I think it's difficult to see him shutting the door on the New York Rangers, Louis Domingue. So I would only look over the total uh, if I were to bet this uh, over under here tonight in this game. Nate, what do you think for game four, New York and uh, Pittsburgh? I love both these teams. Um, I watched a few games over the season. I haven't been able to catch a few games uh this playoffs, but uh, I've watched a few highlights. It's uh, massive skill on both sides. Um, Crosby, Malkin, Latang, um, Rust, um, like Gensel. It's it's a powerhouse up front. Um, and then New York, same idea. Kreider, massive year this year. Um, it's uh, it can go back and forth, but I got to go with Pittsburgh. That's where Robert Morris is. Got to go with the hometown team. Um, I feel like they're going to come away with the win here. All right, like in Pittsburgh to take a stranglehold, something that no team has done in this first round yet. A team up 2-1, not a single one has gone up 3-1 yet. And we'll see if any of these teams can do it tonight. Can Washington do it? Can Pittsburgh do it? Can Dallas do it? And, of course, we'll get to them a little bit later. But you like in the close by to RMU there, a little Bobby Moe. Uh, close yeah. by Pittsburgh Penguins. And I have good memories of native Robert Morris, usually betting their college basketball games. That's the memories I have for uh, Robert Morris. I've done that a lot over the last several years. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty exciting too. When, when they were making the national championship uh, at school and obviously basketball isn't one of the number one sports at that school. And yeah. um, hockey's kind of getting, getting its feet uh, back on the ground with the program being reinstated. So um, have to give those guys a shout out. Um, so yeah, it's going to be uh, great to see Pittsburgh win tonight. Yeah, there it's it is. And that's a Robert Moore Hall of Famer. That's great that they did. I I, heard, I didn't know they did. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, finally uh, got enough backing, and uh, I think they're playing in 2023. Great. Awesome. Yeah. Anytime you see a hockey program at any college, keep you know keep on getting extended and not shut down, and it's, and it's broadening, and it's getting, you know, you're getting more people interested. That's a good thing. You know, we need, because again, hockey is only going to be as good as the next generation of players that have that ability to sign up for, you know, lessons, classes, to be able to go to college, to be able to participate in junior leagues. It's only going to be as good as all of those options being available to the next generation. So uh, that is great to hear that uh, Robert Morris hockey, Nate, as you say, uh, is uh, going to continue uh, for at least the uh, extend, uh, at least the uh, five more years, future, if not longer. Yeah, five years. Uh, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's nothing but good news, no question. Uh, Jimmy, what do you think here, Rangers Penguins? I'm going to go the other way there. I'm going to take the Rangers, tie this thing up. Uh, I like Adam Fox as well on a goal scoring prop, uh, and I like the under 
uh, in the game. I know it sounds crazy with the way things have gone in this series, but uh, just I, I sense a goaltender's duel happening tonight, and the Rangers are going to come out on top. Yeah, and with Shesterkin off getting pulled uh, in game three, even though it wasn't all his fault, I don't think it was his fault really all that much, mm. but you'd expect him, hey, he's going to want to clamp down here and play yeah. well. So this it does have a feel, even though I'm hesitant with the, uh, betting the under, I can see this maybe being an under, uh, even after the three overs we've seen so far in this series, if we get uh, certainly Shesterkin on top of his game. All right, we'll turn to the West now. Uh, Western Conference, uh, Game 4, Colorado Avalanche, Nashville Predators, Colorado leading 3 nothing, looking to break out the brooms tonight and sweep away the Nashville Predators. Uh, Colorado minus 250, uh, road favorites in this game, 6.5 the total. Uh, this is an elimination game, obviously, uh, Nashville uh, facing elimination. So you know right away this is going to be a live over in the second intermission or in the third period target for me. Uh, we know how good the third period overs and the live overs after the second period have been in these elimination games, teams that are trailing in the series. And if they're trailing in the third period, they pull the goalie even earlier. It's desperation. They'll pull the goalie down two goals, down three goals, sometimes even down four goals. We've seen coaches pull the goaltender. So you've got just a boatload of opportunity for there to be a goal scoring fest in the third period. Uh, of some of these games. So that's definitely something you want to be aware of. I like the full game over here in this game. Kind of expected for me because I cashed uh, the best bet on the show on Saturday was Colorado-Nashville over six and a half. I said, I think the floodgates that easily could have opened for Colorado in game two against Connor Ingram for the Nashville Predators in net that they were going to open in game three. And that's exactly what happened. Connor Ingram a magnificent goaltending performance in game two. No question. 50 shots. He did everything to keep the Avalanche, uh, uh, keep the Predators in that game. They lost in overtime on Kale McCarr's overtime winner. And I figured now he's going to start again after that mammoth effort. He's probably going to end up giving up a bunch today. And that's exactly what happened uh, in game three as Colorado's power play just destroyed Nashville. I mean, couldn't be stopped. Uh, Colorado on the power play in that game was just brilliant. Uh, multiple power play goals, and they end up uh, putting that game away decisively uh, against the uh, Predators in Game 3, setting up an opportunity for them to sweep Nashville here after that 7-3 win. Uh, I just don't know if they can contain them. I mean, four power play goals uh, for the, for Colorado in that game. Uh, you look at other than that Game 2, just Stonewall from Ingram, where he, you know, he played like Connor Brodeur uh, for one night. Uh, you look at it, he gave up seven. Uh, Colorado scored seven in game one, seven in game three. Uh, I think it's going to be difficult, you know, for Nashville to extend this series. I'm not going to take Colorado, you know, necessarily tonight because Nashville is such a good home environment, you know, at that arena. And th that those fans are very loud that, you know, Nashville is going to try to do everything they can to avoid getting swept at home. So I expect utmost effort from Nashville. But I don't know if it's going to be enough. And they, they have, didn't play good team defense down the stretch. Without UC Soros, they don't have the kind of goaltending we trust to keep this uh, Colorado team off the scoreboard. Uh, so I'm going to go with over six and a half. Not so much anything with the side, but just focus on six and a half. And Nashville's certainly capable of scoring too because Pavel Francouz uh, is going to be in net once again for Colorado with Darcy Kemper still out with that eye injury. Took the stick from Ryan Johansson right yeah. through the one of the uh, the holes in his mask. Scary, scary shit. And uh, hopefully he gets back sooner rather than later. Uh, Nate, what do you think here? Colorado-Nashville game four. I think Colorado. Um, there's just too much offensive threats. 
Um, and it's tough to contain guys like McKinnon, Landis Cog, Ratnan, Kadri, um, and Cal McCarr, like unbelievable skill, like all up front. Um, obviously we see that with their power play, very dangerous. Can't give them those opportunities. I just feel like Nashville doesn't have the defense capabilities to contain those guys and get the puck out to go on offense. I mean, obviously they have a lot of offensive threats. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, shutting down those big name guys, but it, they're having a hard time doing that. So I think, uh, I think Colorado's getting the sweep tonight, even though it's the hardest game to win out of a series. I think they got, they got it. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. Like I, I, I won't be on Nashville. Uh, I don't know if I'll take Colorado in any form just because I know with that fans, the, the great fans there in Nashville and how loud that building is, how, you know, a great an environment that is at play. I know the Predators don't want to get swept at home for straight, and I, I know they'll play like it. I don't think this is a team that just because they're down 3 nothing, they're going to pack it in. I, I really think there's, hey, we don't want to get swept in this building with these fans, and I think they'll play like that. But I don't know if it's going to be enough uh, for them to uh, uh, avoid uh, or – enough for them to extend this series back to Denver uh, for game five. And I'm sitting on Colorado in four and Colorado in five series bets at a big plus price. If I cash one of them, I'm going to be profitable. So that was my uh, goal and my strategy with that. So as long as Colorado wins either tonight or in game five, we're going to end up profitable with those two series bets uh, in this series. And by the way, Melissa Cunningham uh, says in our chat, my new favorite guest on the show is Nate. She's a Penguins fan. So I think she liked Penguins pick. She appreciated that very much. And the fact you played so close there in Pittsburgh with Robert Morris. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Melissa's a big Nate Longpray fan. We just found that out. Perfect. Well, it was hard to not go downtown when it was a 30-minute cab ride. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Great point. Uh, Jimmy, what do you think here? Colorado, Nashville. Well, Ian, I, I, like, I'm not sure. I mean, are you aware of what happened in Nashville the other day for game three with the fans? What happened? Wait. They were like five thousand short of a sellout. They, they oh, really? Huh? They didn't show up. Wow. Well, they don't have that home advantage going right now. Yeah, and they're, and they're 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 less right now. They're they're like trying to give tickets away. They're not getting the fans there. It's a it's pretty bad. Like that's I think that's, a lot that's of very shocking because we've seen yeah, that building so packed in years past. Yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah, that's been I'm one of the loudest buildings. Keep track of that. Wow. Yeah, that's been one of the loud. Yeah, you got to Google it, man. That's been, so yeah. I just wanted you to know that in case that affects your bet. So for that reason, I mean, this series is over, man. Give me Jimmy Puckline on this one. Colorado <laughs> happen even, uh, you know, it, this is done. They don't have that home advantage anymore. And I honestly would have thought that in the past, it was so good there at, at Bridgestone that they could have even tied that series. That's how good it was or pulled an upset. Who knows? But I think that really deflated them to walk into a, a, a less than full, you know, less than expected uh, amount of fans at that game the other day, they said it was like a morgue. So uh, that home advantage is gone for them. So I'm going with the avalanche. Yeah, I, I would agree. So that, that, that's definitely disappointing uh, because we know that this is definitely a, a, a fan base that's been loud. It's been Bridgestone. Yeah. Like, I haven't even been, but I, I know people that have been to Nashville games and playoff games. It, it, your ears are ringing, you know, being yeah, in the I, building I with I, how loud it is. I read the story, but they didn't really give any reasons. Like, did they raise the ticket prices or anything? They just, you know, they said it was shocking how little fans there were. Um, you know, I have to look deeper into it. But right now, that's not an advantage they have anymore. Yeah, no question about that. Uh, as far as props go for Colorado, Nachushkin, 
because he's still on the top line, still producing. And how do you not go on the blue line with Devon Taves with four points in this series already and two goals in, in the uh, three games so far? So there's some great goal scoring props there and points props, uh, player props for Colorado with Nachushkin on the top line once again tonight with McKinnon and Ranton. We talked about it. Nate, this is a great thing from a betting standpoint with the player props. Guys moving up the lineup. Players that go from the third line to the top line or from the second line to the top line or sometimes the third or the fourth line to one of the top two lines. And you take that player and uh, in their player props, they are mispriced. You know, you can get much better prices with them to score a goal, to get a point, shots on goal, all of those when they move up the lineup. And do you find in your past playing the game that the player that moves up the lineup is immediately inspired and motivated to make an immediate impact. And I think it makes for a great player prop betting situation for us. Oh, hundred percent. I remember, obviously I was third, fourth line guy most of the time, but when I had the shot at playing in the second line role and playing with players that are more of a point producing player, like I was amped. Like I was not only not like, I think I was maybe the adrenaline was pumping through the roof. Like I didn't even need to take a Red Bull. I was flying out the door every chance I got. Exactly. And that's, I think that's most players will be right in the same boat with you there in terms of that, they're, that they're going to just be so fired up to get this opportunity, increased ice time, bigger role, better players around you too. Uh, when you move up the lineup, you're playing with, uh, you're going to have more opportunity because you're with uh, better players around you. So no doubt, I think players thrive in that kind of spot. Nijushkin, one of many examples, he's been able to do that with the top, moving up to the top line for Colorado for the last uh, few weeks. All right, Calgary-Dallas, final game on this Monday card. We've got Calgary minus 160, uh, road favorites. Uh, the total uh, right now, uh, five and a half in this game. Uh, very disappointed with the Calgary Flames. And if you, if you watched yesterday's show, you know how disappointed and angry I was with them. Uh, I just, uh, you know. They're not very happy. I mean, here we go again. We're wondering where Johnny is in the playoffs. We're wondering why the fuck Matthew Kachuk is more interested fighting John Klingberg than putting a puck in the net. That's frustrating. Uh, we uh, Andrew Mangiapane, a goal-scoring dynamo in October and November, and can I get one in May? That's all I ask for, uh, Andrew. I mean, there's just many things that concern me about Dallas, uh, Calgary. Dallas has been able to frustrate them. Dallas has been able to shut them down. Dallas has been able to keep them out to the outside and not get inside position. And then when they have had that uh, situation where they have gotten inside position, um, Jake Ottinger has been fantastic uh, so far in this series. And he's been good. The young kid who's the future in net for the uh, Dallas Stars, he's had a terrific series for them. And at times, I think you could even say he's outplayed uh, Jacob Markstrom so far in this series. So Calgary's just got to find it. And it's going to fall on Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk in particular. We need big games from those two boys tonight if you're the Calgary Flames. And maybe Daryl Sutter, the ultimate motivator, gets in their ear, you know, do something a little bit different. you, you got to just find a way to get to that front of the net. It's Dallas isn't making it easy, but you're paid to get to those areas. You're paid to be able to put the puck in the net, and, and you need to be able to make that impact. And Matthew Kachuk stopped ch chasing people around and, and, and trying to goad them into a fight, play your game, and try to make an offensive impact. That's what I want uh, tonight from uh, Calgary uh, in this game tonight. Uh, I'm going to go with them. Maybe I'm a glutton for punishment. Uh, and here we go again with Calgary having a tough time with Dallas because Dallas knocked them out in the playoffs two years ago in the bubble, uh, if you remember. Uh, but I'm going to trust them tonight at minus 160. Now, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to go a ha split bet, half and half. I'm actually going to pay up to the, for the minus 160 on Calgary. 
uh, full game money line, but I'm also going to put half of that in regulation on Calgary, which you can get at a much better price. Calgary in regulation is uh, currently in uh, just a small plus price right now, certainly a better one. Uh, you can get that right now, Calgary in regulation around plus 110, uh, plus 105. So it's a split bet, half and half, with uh, Calgary minus 160 and also Calgary in regulation. Uh, I got to believe they, they tie this series up. Is Dallas really that much better than Calgary to take a 3-1 series lead? I don't trust them to do that necessarily. Uh, we will wait and see. And uh, uh, as, uh, Plus, Blake Coleman, I sung his praises coming into this series. What a job he did for Tampa Bay last year in the playoffs. Scored some big goals for them. He's been kind of silent lately uh, in this series as well for the Flames, so he could even uh, take his game up another level, in my opinion. Uh, we'll see if Calgary can do that. I'm going to trust them to. Uh, well, and it should be an under. I like this game under. I know it just barely went over the total in game three because of Jamie Benn scoring an empty net goal with like one second left. That is a brutal beat if you had under five and a half uh, in game three. 4-2 it ended, and Jamie Benn put the 4-2 empty net goal in with like a second left. Terrible if you had the under uh, in that game. Terrible way to lose, but uh, I think this is a low-scoring game. I think we get back to 2 nothing, 2-1, 3-1. That type of game here tonight with the Flames and the Stars. Nate, what do you think here, Calgary and Dallas? I want to say Calgary, but I'm leaning Dallas. Um, yep. you, when you get under a, you know, a team's skin and they're frustrated, they're gripping the stick, they're not making great plays, uh, they're rushing plays, um, and we're seeing that. Um, I, I watched a few highlights of, of some of the games. Um, I just think Dallas um, – you know, it's the reason why they made the playoffs. They kept, you know, the, the Knights below them in Vancouver to make it in here. I think they just have competitors. Their goalie, we're seeing that. You, When you run into a hot goalie, it's tough to get the puck by him. I remember back in Robert Morris, we went against Cam Talbot, Alabama. We had like 50 or 60 shots on him. They won one nothing. It is what it is. <laughs> wow, Cam Talbot. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's some good players that came out of um, the Alabama CHA. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. I'm just thinking back now, Matt Reed, uh, yep. Pat, with the Flyers. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There's some good players. You ever play UMass back in the day? No, I never got to play those guys. Okay. Uh, That's where I went. Oh yeah. Nice. Yeah. 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 We, we only, uh, I think we only had like five or six non-conference games. Okay. Um, so, but we just never got to play everybody, which was unfortunate, but it is what it is in four years. Yeah. yeah I, I can't believe what UMass has become, man. When I, when I, when I went to school there, show my age but i mean many moons ago they were lucky if they won two games a year i was i was calling the games on the air on the radio and it was just like i would have to think of so many other different things to talk about during the games it would be like 10 nothing every game you did play by play i did play by play and oh, uh color. i never knew that i've known you for yeah. years now yeah most of, something most new. Color. I, I i don't think i was that great at play by play i was better at color but uh yeah i did that yep so it was uh, it was funny. I was talking with Greg Carvel recently and talking about that. And I'm like, you have no idea what it's like as an alum to see this school go from like they used to be a basketball power to see them come now to UMass. Yeah. UMass hockey is like the thing. They're on the map. They won a national championships. It's it's yeah. Kale McCarr of, of all. You yeah, know. I mean, look at the guys yeah. that are coming out of there now. Yeah, you know, well, it's a it's really cool. good place. Yeah, well, I mean, your team, like your teams coming in though. And I, I always uh, cheered for those, you know, like the the underdogs and the new teams like that. I thought I think it's great for hockey. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely uh, it's definitely gotten a lot better. A lot of notoriety for those smaller schools that are bringing in better players and and getting the getting those teams to the national championship. Yep. Obviously, everyone yeah, wants look to at get Quinnipiac, right. Yeah, 
Yeah, definitely. Um, they also have a lot of money backing that school, so they put yeah. in and and stuff like that. So it's drawn better players there. But yeah, um, I feel like Robert Morris has done a, a great job behind uh, Derek Schooley. You know, they made the national championship when I left, and they've had a, a really good, uh, really good run with players coming out of there. So. You know, you know what I'm looking for, guys, is the Arizona State Coyotes. I, I wonder how that team's going to be. <laughs> I wish. I wish they were around when I was looking to go. What an embarrassment. <laughs> what a joke that is, playing on Tempe, you know, the campus of ASU. That's oh my gosh. It is, yeah. It's amazing. And yeah. I guarantee um, they're probably they'll, they'll be in debt to Arizona State for this within like yeah. a year, right? Yeah. You know yeah. they're going to owe them money. Yeah. They should, they should have the best home record out of every other team. Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, back to goalies, um, another goalie that shut us out when I was playing in the American League for Chicago, Jake Sparks. They uh, they swept us in four, um, and he was stellar every game. It was unbelievable. Um, so it, it just goes to show, like when you when you have a goalie standing on his head, it ups the play of the of the whole team from defense to forwards. It's just a a good collective uh, moving forward for Dallas. So I think uh, I got them for tonight. All right, like in Dallas. You know what? At the price being offered, plus 140, you know, I understand. I understand. Even though I'm on Calgary and I'm trusting this team, I don't know. So I'm Part of me is thinking, why am I trusting this team after what we've seen the last few years from the Flames? But I understand at the price being offered, you can do worse than take a shot with Dallas at plus 140, given the way this series has been, given that every game has been close, and Dallas has looked every bit the equal, if not more, than the Calgary Flames so far in this series, which I'm sure a lot of people didn't necessarily expect given the disparity in the regular season uh, between uh, both Calgary and Dallas. Jimmy, what do you think here, Flame Stars? Yeah, you know what? I'm with Nate on this one, guys. I, I think the Flames are in some big trouble here. And, you know, as I've been watching this series, I've been wondering, we see this so many times, right, where uh, even you could have argued the Bruins when they were down 0-2 to Carolina. Like, you see teams in March, maybe mid-April, get really, really hot, and it's almost like they peak too early. I think that's what we might have seen with the Calgary Flames, you know, and I, I think that maybe they got a little carried away with that and their heads were a little too big coming into this, and now they don't know what's happening to them. They're 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 in panic mode, and, you know, you see it with Kachuk. I mean, he's just he's playing like kind of like Tony D'Angelo. He's just playing like an idiot, you know, and like he should be more focused on helping his team rather than the other team. Um, so I like Dallas and I'm going to take Dallas right now on the money line, but I also smell a little extra time tonight in this game. Uh, I like the draw as well. Yep. So that's going to be a play for me. And I'm going to keep riding that under with this series. I mean, why not, you know, prove me wrong. So give me those three bets for this. All right. So Calgary and regulation, uh, or no Calgary Dallas money line. I should say not Calgary Dallas money Dallas line money plus line, 140 and uh, draw. draw plus 320 yep. and the under. And the under five and a half. Yeah. Cause I think it'll be lower scoring as well. Yeah. Dallas, a lot of people saying that Dallas won their first home game the other night because of the, uh, b the chick behind uh, Rick bonus and the <laughs> Dallas bench. Yeah. The, with the Tiggle biddies. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Hard to miss. Hard to miss that. No doubt. She was the good luck charm. I wonder if she'll be back there tonight. I'm sure every guy is wondering that uh, going into game four tonight. Uh, right now. Will she be back in attendance right there? It's hard to miss that. There's impossible to miss that. You gotta be a blind man. You know, if you didn't see, uh, the display behind Rick Bonus, uh, behind the Dallas bench in uh, Game Three. Uh, no question about that. So, Not I see the blind man. Yeah, yeah exactly. 
<laughs> oh, man. Uh, we'll see. Maybe she's the good luck charm. We'll see if she's back there tonight for the Dallas Stars uh, as they look to take a 3-1 series lead on the Calgary Flames. All right, so that's the Monday card. Uh, great breakdowns. Great analysis, Nate. First time on the show. Great analysis from you. Uh, great job uh, from you. Uh, before we wrap it up, now get your thinking cap on, Nate. Best bets to wrap up the show coming up. So see if you've got one in mind. But uh, before we get to best bets, we want to remind you about DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL team, get $150 in free bets if they win. DraftKings Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet. You can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, sign up for an account, use the promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NHL team, get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 years of age or older, must reside in a DraftKings Sportsbook state. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Download the DraftKings app. Sign up for an account. Use the promo code THPN. All right. Best bets to wrap up the Monday edition of the Ice Guys. And we thank Nate Longpray for joining us. Another phenomenal guest uh, joining us today on the show. Uh, Nate, uh, what do you like most for Monday night for, in terms of a best bet? Well, I'd have to ask you first. What do you think? So then I can maybe better to sit make my decision here uh rangers for me uh, I'll, I'll give it away that is going to be my best bet new york rangers minus 115 that's against your pittsburgh penguin uh, so i'll give you something else what i will do is i will give you something else because i know you're going to go with your heart with pittsburgh i don't fault you <laughs> robert morris alum i totally get that let's give you something else to go with uh i would probably next in line go with that colorado nashville over six and a half that's what I would go with because I think Nashville's got to open it up. They've got to try to score to avoid the sweep. I don't think they're going to shut down Colorado. I think Connor Ingram kind of got figured out in game three by the Avalanche. Uh, and again, in an elimination game, the goalie's going to get pulled even earlier. These games historically kind of trend toward the over. So for me, it would be Avs Preds over six and a half after the Rangers if I had to get my next best bet. So you can use that or you could use something totally different. Hell, you could stick with Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think I'm just going to stick with the, the hometown favorite here, Pittsburgh. There you go. Sounds yeah. good. There you go. Pittsburgh. And look, you're getting a decent price. Pittsburgh minus 110, uh, actually minus 105 uh, at home uh, against the New York Rangers as they look to take a, a three to one uh, series lead. Uh, best bet here for Nate Longpray. Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, home of Robert Morris University. There you go. Uh, Pittsburgh minus 105 against the New York Rangers for uh, best bet. All right, Jimmy Murphy. Yeah. Jimmy Murphy, what do you like uh, for best bet? I'm going with that under five and a half in the Dallas Calgary game. It's It's been money for me so far, so I'm going to stick with it. All right. Dallas Calgary under five and a half. And really, it should be three and oh to the under in that series. Game two, three barely got over the total because of that Jamie Penn empty net goal with one second left. Otherwise, that would have been uh, another under. So uh, Calgary, Dallas, under five and a half for Jimmy Murphy with his best bet. And my best bet's going to be, I mentioned it already, New York Rangers, uh, minus 115 against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, I think they even up the series. Obviously important game. I, I liked them before the series started. I think Shesterkin throws a gem out there tonight in between the pipes after getting pulled the other night, although not because of his play, just to try to wake up the team. I think you'll see the Rangers bounce back with a strong, effort tonight uh, and get the uh, victory and tie that series up. So New York Rangers 
minus 115 against the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, for my best bet for this Monday card. And that'll wrap it up. We thank everyone for joining us. Hit the like button on the way out. Uh, thanks to our special guest, Nate Alompre, for joining us. And a reminder, the Ice Guys is live seven days a week, Monday to Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Saturday and Sunday, noon Eastern. If you can't watch the show live, download the Ice Guys podcast in audio form on all major podcast platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Download the Ice Guys podcast when you can't watch the show live. For Andrew McGinnis, Jimmy Murphy, our special guest, Nate Longpray, I'm Ian Cameron. Have a great Monday night. Enjoy the games and good luck. And we will talk to you again tomorrow on Tuesday for another edition of the Ice Guys presented by the Hockey Podcast Network.